Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. This week we're going to cover summer scouting, find new locations for this upcoming season. So this week we're just going to go over a little bit of the steps I do in my summer scouting, you know, get myself either acquainted with some new hunting areas I want to, you know, look into or just kind of go back through the historical data what I've, you know, collected over the years primarily on that state land side, but you could certainly do this for uh, you know, even your private hunting grounds and whatnot, just to try to better understand the grounds a little bit better and hopefully, you know, be able to have a little bit better plan going forward for the next hunt season. So usually the first thing I do when primarily when I'm looking at uh, if I'm looking at the new a new hunt spot or if I re, you know want to learn a little bit more about the hunting area I'm at you know that e-scouting or looking at maps um, you know online and whatnot you know that's usually that first step so there's tons of different resources out there you can use of course you've got you know Google Maps that's the easy one so especially if you're just trying to you know, do something quick and look at, you know, Google Maps is a great one because you can actually pull up, you know, addresses and whatnot quite quickly and find, and you know, fine tune an area real quick as well. Um, just give you a quick overview of a, a certain area. But then there's certainly the other um, hunting type apps that are out there that can give you a little bit more resources and a little bit more information about a property. Um, you know, the big ones that I really know of are, is of course, Onyx. Um, you know, that one's kind of more known, uh, especially on the western side, you know, big game hunting and whatnot out west. But certainly is a great app to use even for here in the state, you know, just being able to use that, that mapping system. And another one is the HuntWise app. That's another good one. It's got lots of resources on it. It actually has a very good, um, you know, weather predictor essentially. So when it comes time for hunting season, Jess Sturges, who helped, you know, kind of design that platform and whatnot, um, he uses his kind of um, analytics and whatnot for the weather and, you know, helping you just kind of decide on what days or, um, you know, weather patterns you should be hunting. And then the big one that I use most frequently, I've used this for a good number of years, is the HuntStand app. Um, I'm just most familiar with that one. It, again, has all the resources that you really need. Um, and it's also very good. Um, I think it's actually the best one at being able to, um, you know, add your waypoints and, you know, add in different types of uh, pins and whatnot. So you can do different, you know, that the one I really like using the most or the feature that I like using the most is the, the sightings where anytime I have an encounter, especially with a buck or whatnot, I can actually um, drop a pin where I saw that animal and it actually will have the weather data associated with uh, the time and location of where I saw the animal and I can actually you know do that every time I sit and I can actually start building um, a bit of a catalog of you know when uh, when and where I see certain animals and I can actually pull up those pins and see if there's historical data where you know I'm seeing multiple animals in that same location same weather patterns that type of thing and that can help me in the future when I go to you know hunt the next spot but getting back on subject about you know the mapping start so the first thing I do is have it a general area that I want to look at uh, usually just pull up that satellite view of those of that mapping system I usually like to bring up the hybrid version that will show both the satellite as well as any roads or it'll show it'll bring up like the rivers and whatnot and their names um, so I can kind of get a better bearing of where I'm at um, within that map 
Once I kind of get into the general zone where I want to be or the area that I want to look at, the very next step that I do is actually look at the, you know, change the, the map over to a topo map or a terrain map. There's the very first thing that I want to look at is where are there any terrain uh, differences? Um, the, so really I'm looking at um, basically anywhere where there's any drastic change in elevation. So it's, you know, I always associate kind of like when you go out fishing, you pull up that map of the lake, you're looking for those drop-offs, you know, anywhere where, you know, there's basically a cha- a major change. So if there's a point that comes out, if there's depression or a valley somewhere or ridges, you know, you'll see those lines on that map, you know, as they get closer, you know, that indicates a, str- uh, you know, more drastic uh, change in elevation. And those are what I key on first. So, and then I'm looking for those few major, you know, features. So if it's a ridge, if there's fingers, you know, basically at the end of the ridges where you see where the terrain kind of changes again, you've got, you know, terrain running one way and then you have that, the end of that ridge that runs into, you know, uh, a different area where there's kind of a, where two different terrain features kind of collide. Uh, and then if you're looking at something that's really, really flat, um, I start looking for what I always call islands where, um, you know, basically I'm looking for in this flat area if there's any change in elevation. So you'll see, you know, more or less all the same uh, elevation. And then you'll usually see, you know, some type of like circles type shape. Um, you know, they're usually not very big, so you might not see a lot of rings within that topo map. But if, if it's something subtle is in a big area of flat, that may be something that I'll key on as well um, for something I want to take a look at to see, you know, exactly what that looks like. So I'll mark those areas on the map. So I'll usually drop a pin on those terrain features just so I can, when I go to physically scout them and look at those areas, um, I know that those are the areas that I want to check out. And then I'll go back to that satellite view and I'll typically start to, I'll zoom out quite a bit and look at the surrounding area. So what I'm looking at is the other properties around the area and what they have to offer. Uh, so I'll look at, you know, is there, is there, you know, additional public land in the area? Is there any, um, you know, private land or houses nearby, um, you know, indicating that there might be some additional pressure, you know, from traffic and whatnot. If there's any major roadways or trails leading, you know, into that property or, you know, running nearby that property that, you know, they know that, you know, there's a good likelihood that there would be some additional either hunting pressure or just pressure from people just coming out um, and enjoying the outdoors and whatnot and, you know, using that area or using those trail systems. And then what I usually like to see, or one thing I really can is if there's any um, farm fields in the area. Now, again, I'm looking at, you know, anything within a few miles of the area I'm scouting and then kind of keying in on if there's any good routes from that major field to the property I want to hunt and if the animals or deer and whatnot could easily be able to make their way to those major fields and then make it back into the cover of the area I'm looking at. And then I'm looking for any major water sources, if there's any rivers or creeks or ponds in the area or even a lake that may be nearby, um, something that you know will be a, a major feature that those animals will key on as well. And then I'm looking at the terrain around the area too. Is it more or less a flat, you know, flat ground or are there hills in the area or on other properties that may have more significant terrain features or the terrain features on that top of map of the area I'm looking at do the continue on into other properties uh, that I may not have access to. 
And then once I kind of get that lay of the land, I'll zoom back in to a more defined area where I want to um, focus my scouting efforts on. And again, looking at that satellite view, I'll start, you know, kind of getting a lay of what type of covers in the area. You know, am I looking at, you know, an open field? Um, it might've been an old clear cut, but uh, one thing I picked up on was that you do have to be careful because sometimes those apps and those images are not 100% uh, up to date. So I actually ran into a situation where I scouted an area on a map and I went to go look at it and apparently they had clear cut or clear cut the area but the map hadn't updated yet and didn't show that. So I end up, you know, basically downloading an, another app or that I end up downloading the Wise app or HuntWise app. And uh, sure enough, that map was a little bit more up to date and it did end up showing that clear cut. Now, another thing um, with that HuntWise app too, where I had another area that I had known that it was clear cut, but then when I pull up the HuntWise app, it showed that it was still wooded. But then when you zoomed in, it actually showed that sure enough it was clear cut so you do need to watch those um you know the timing on when those maps are updated because uh, you may end up getting some false information from that but that was the only time i really ran into that when i was looking at those clear cuts um, where there's a significant change to the area and then some of the other uh, cover areas I'm looking at are as if it's pines or hardwood areas you know a lot of times depending on when that map is updated you know if it's during the winter time or fall you'll be able to see you know those hardwoods with the you know either the leaves have changed color or they're completely off the trees and then those pines of course will still be green you know year round and then another big area that I really key on is swamp area so and then with those swamp areas you know you'll see those on the topo maps you know, a lot of times they'll mark those topo maps with um, some type of um, icon to where you can see that, uh, you know, it'll indicate that that swamp area or you'll even see uh, where the map will be colored in for the, like the blue for the water. So I'll be looking at those swamp areas and again, looking at if it's either like a cedar swamp where it's really grown in or if it's more of open swamp or like cattail swamp or something like that that's you know, doesn't have any significant overhead cover. And then I'm looking at the water sources around in those areas too. So if there's any ponds or rivers or creeks anywhere, you know, those are, you know, going to be areas that I'll key on to for either water, you know, as a water source, or a lot of times they end up being either choke points or, uh, you know, bottleneck areas where, you know, depending on, you know, the size of the water, water feature and whatnot, you know, you really have to go around it or find areas to cross um, in certain areas. So you can key in on those features. So I've got open one of my, um, you know, hunting areas I've scouted before, and I'm just going to kind of cover uh, what I really looked at and why I keyed in onto this area. So the one I pulled up that actually became a quite a significant um, spot I hunted last year and I actually saw quite a few deer and actually that's when I had my best opportunities there. So essentially this is on state land and again it's an area where you know it's kind of back in the corner of the state area where it's a, kind of a significant walk to get there. So from the from the public access point um, it's actually you know about a 30 minute walk just to get to this area because on the back side there's actually a significant uh, river um, on that back side of the state land area where 
you know, either you would have to, you know, either swim it or wade it or boat across to get to this part of the property. Um, cause it's all the way in that back corner to the access. And so it's actually quite near where there is some public land or not public land, some private land as well. And it's actually, um, some pasture, um, not too far away. Basically it's an old cattle pasture where, uh, last year they actually weren't utilizing it or there weren't any cows in there. Um, since I've been there, checked it out this spring, they did have cows in that field. So I don't know if they'll be there all summer into the fall. Um, so that may change that deer movement a little bit. So that'll just be something that I'll have to, you know, look into, but it's basically an old cow pasture. They do have some old, um, apple trees in there and whatnot. They don't seem to very produce in there, but I know that that's going to be a major, you know, food source, um, for that old pasture, um, for those deer just because it's the it's basically the only type of ag field in the area and then so the area that i'm at is again onto that state land and the area that it is is basically where um, you know ran a gas line so there's you know they've cut down um you know basically that runway for that gas line and then there was a clear cut that had been cleared out seven years ago so now there's plenty of um, saplings have grown up primarily the popple that come up and they're anywhere between three foot tall all the way up to about 10 foot tall um, those saplings so we've got the river on the back side basically creates a little peninsula where this where this clear cut is and then on the front side as I come in from my access there's actually a significant ravine that has a creek running through it and that's what I utilize quite a bit as my access point so I walk the main trail in, I go down into that ravine where the creek runs, come up the hill on the backside, and that's where my tree stand is right on the edge of that hill or for that drainage for that creek. And I'm at the edge of this clear cut, and I focus my attention to that front side where that creek is. So now we've got where that creek runs through with that ravine, and then where they end up crossing from the field into the clear cut and into those saplings. And in the center of that clear cut where all those saplings are, uh, there's a significant bedding area. And it looks to be primarily a buck bedding area because all the times I was hunting, you know, typically, typically that's where the bucks were heading. And I didn't see any does really come through that area or head in that direction. Um, so it looks like it's more or less isolated as a buck bedding area. And then, you know, with that area too, I do have access to where I can actually follow that creek all the way down to where that river is, come up to the back side, and actually hunt that back side of that clear cut as well. I actually didn't do that last year, but I've done some additional scouting, and that is an additional spot. So when I'm looking at, you know, hunting in this area in different winds, I actually have, um, basically I can hunt both sides of it, just depending on which direction the wind's going. So that's one area that I focus my attention on. Now another, again, I'm looking at the same thing. So it's the same major state land area. It's just basically on the other side of it. And again, one of the key features I looked at when I zoom out is there is some ag fields. So when I get back onto the state land, when I switch over to the topo map, there's actually a significant flat swamp area that doesn't have very much terrain but in one corner of it it actually brings up where and there's again kind of like what i said in that little 
um, spot where there's like an island. So there's a bunch of flat land and then there seems to be like a little knoll or a little hill in the middle of that. And sure enough, when I went out there and scouted it, that's what was there. So I focused on, you know, those high areas in the middle of all this flat swamp area. And then when I went back to the satellite, I actually can zoom in and sure enough, there's a bit of an opening there. So it's basically, you know, very sick swamp. And then on these hills, because it's up out of that water a little bit, um, there's significant oaks in there as well, mixed with some other types of pines as well. Relatively open in consideration where just, just down off these hills is very thick, very wet uh, cedar swamp. And that's another area where I focus my attention on. So essentially what I'm you know, hoping for and, and whatnot going forward is that these deer are on those major ag fields. They're cutting through the swamp and eventually making their way onto this oak flat um, as they're trying to get back to their beds. So I'm looking at roughly about five to 600 yards off those ag fields through the swamp onto this little oak flat area or knoll anyway, I guess I should say. And sure enough, there's, you know, significant deer sign in there. And then there's a third area where essentially it's on the edge of a more open like cattail swamp where it's actually so thick and there's so much water in there that a lot of the deer are skirting around it. And that's again, looking at that kind of that naturally, uh, you know, occurring bottleneck. And then there's a bit of a ridge that comes off of one end of that swampy area. And then it leads down into a more flat natural hardwood area. And where that swamp and that little bit of a ridge meet into that flat area, there is significant deer sign in there as they use that terrain in their travels. And then once you get into that hardwood flat, there's actually several clear cut areas that they've actually clear cutted in different years. So there's actually different growth rates on there or, you know, different levels of plants that have actually grown back. So you've got a little bit older, you know, clear cuts, you know, somewhere between three to five years old. They're going to have a little bit more, um, you know, taller saplings, more growth in there. And then there's some relatively newer clear cuts. They're only a couple years old somewhere between a year to three that are you know much more or have much more open area more like grasses and smaller plants um, that the deer have been feeding on that leads into where another potential um, food source for them in more of those open clear cuts and then they can fall back into that thicker cover you know near those swamps and whatnot so once i've gone through and find those key areas on the maps Again, I'll mark them on the map with some type of waypoint or some type of pin indicating areas that I want to look at. You know, find the area I'm looking at. One of the first things I do is pull up that top of map, look for terrain or variations in terrain. Those are some of the first things I key on. And then I go back to the satellite and look at the type of cover or the surrounding areas. And if it's open or cover or looking for food sources or water sources and then once i've gone through and then gone through the e-mapping very important thing to do is always check or get boots on ground and look at those areas 
um, that you've marked. Now, even now in the summertime, you know, if you can find a cooler day to go out and do that, uh, that's a good time to go out there just to verify what you found. Now, again, you're not really looking for, you know, hot sign or anything like that. Uh, you're just looking to really confirm what what that e-scouting showed you. So you go in there, confirm those terrain features are what you thought they were, and then actually look at the cover as well. So there was one time last year where I went to go look in an area and I thought it was basically a big hill and I went to go scout it and turns find out I was actually reading that map wrong where instead of a giant hill, it was a giant bowl um, to where, you know, if I had gone in there during the actual hunting season, you know, I would have been, you know, very surprised and kind of would have had to change my game plan on how to hunt that area um, because that terrain was the exact opposite of what I was, you know, thinking it was. So it's very important to make sure that you get those boots on the ground during the summer times. So and now is a good time to do it too, especially if you want to cover uh, more larger areas where, you know, during, during the summertime, you're not so concerned about if you bump deer out of the area that you're not going to mess up any hunting, you know, hunting areas. You know, if you were to do this type of scouting, you know, just before season or even during the season where you can be a little bit, you know, you don't have to be quite as cautious going in there. So when you're in there, confirm the tr terrain, confirm the type of cover that you have in there. And then you can start looking for, for any historical sign in there. You know, one of the easiest ones to look at is if you find any buck rubs in there or rub lines. You can generally follow those through during the summertime too. You will end up encountering quite a bit where, you know, there'll be a lot of significant deer trails that are kind of stomped down with all the, the vegetation and whatnot. You'll be able, you know, follow those as well. But again, with it being summertime, you know, those tr patterns of travel may change uh, once we get into the fall season. So, you know, if it looks like if it's a significant trail, you can focus on that. But if it's something that it doesn't look like it's well-defined or maybe you know, some of those smaller side trails as something that you wouldn't want to really think that that will be there come hunting season as well. Cause a lot of times those travel patterns will change. Um, so an area that looks like it's got significant or may have some travel trails and whatnot going through it now, good possibility that those trails will not be utilized during the hunting season. But if you find any old sign, um, from the year prior, you know, again, if you, it's a little bit harder this time of year looking for those scrapes, but if you find any rubs, you may find those larger, um, maybe community scrapes that, you know, are getting into that, you know, three to five foot diameter, um, you know, range where you can tell that there is clearly, you know, an old, uh, scrape there. Then you can focus on that as well. Just knowing that that sign is probably going to reappear or get freshened up come hunt season again, um, just from that historical sign. One of my favorite ones again are looking for rubs. So those rubs are relatively easy to find. You know, they're like that big calling card that even deer, you know, that's one reason they use those because um, they can be seen from quite a distance away and it catches your attention. So what I typically look for, if I start finding any rubs or find this, any significant rubs, I start looking to see if they're all look like they're all relatively the same age. So if they're all, you know, weathered or aged about the same time frame, or if I find some other ones that look like they may, may have been, you know, utilized the year before or even further back. And that's a good indication that, you know, that's something that's going to be repeatable every year where those rubs and whatnot may get opened up every year or new ones will be made in that same area. 
And then, so once I've found those core areas or I've looked at those areas where, and, you know, I've dropped those pins that I want to look at, you know, depending on if there was any sign found. So if I find an area, you know, I may walk in the area and be like, you know what, this isn't what I thought it was. And I may, you know, remove that pin and just move on to the next spot. Now, if it's an area where, you know, that terrain is what I thought it looked like, I do find some historical sign. At that point, I start basically, you know, kind of gridding out from there or creating a circle from that point and start branching out from there. So what I'm looking at is where does that sign either end or where does that sign continue on? So a lot of times when you find that sign, if you circle around, you'll find, you know, where where you might find some more of that sign, you know, leading out of that area or that leads into that area. And you can utilize that to try to pinpoint, you know, directions of travel. And then you can actually pull up that map again and start looking at, okay, why are the deer, you know, traveling that direction instead of another direction where you can actually, you know, basically kind of follow that sign as far as you can to try to, you know, gain greater knowledge of that area on, on their travel. And you might even find some other areas that have more significant sign than what you initially had encountered from the you know, from that core area, you know, as you branch out, you may actually find, you know, better areas that you may want to, you know, focus more time hunting um, than that initial spot. So, and then once I've basically determined that I've scouted an area to, you know, as thoroughly as, you know, I thought I needed to, then I start looking at, again, that larger view. If you walk the area or even, you know, if there's trails or any roadways, just drive the area and see, you know, basically what what the surrounding area holds. You know, if you're looking at a lot of houses, start looking at and seeing, you know, size of parcels. You know, if there's, you know, the big one usually is again if you start seeing any fields with a lot of you know shooting shacks or you know hunting blinds and whatnot set up, uh, then you may know that you know this area may be quite pressured. Or start looking at if it's, you know, especially on that public land, you know, many of them have, do have roadways or trails and whatnot that you can drive down, drive those trails and see what the surrounding area actually looks like, you know, especially for those clear cut areas, you know, or even, you know, looking at those other terrain features in the surrounding areas, you're just trying to really just paint that picture of the entire area. Cause one of the hardest things to really try to figure out is, you know, once you found sign and whatnot, or, you know, indicate that there's deer in the area, you know, that next step is really to try to figure out why. So by expanding those scouting areas, then you may get a better indication of why, you know, the deer are traveling the way they are, you know, where their food sources are, you know, you may even stumble upon where they may be bedding. And then one of the last steps, now this part you can actually do quite a bit through your mapping, or you can do it while you're still you know, physically looking at the area is if you start looking at this area and decide that, you know, this is an area that you may want to hunt, then the next thing that I really focus on, especially um, in these past couple of years, is really looking at my access routes in and out of those potential areas. So the one, one of my favorite things to do is actually use those terrain features to my advantage. So like that initial spot where I set up near, near the cattle pasture, and that clear cut, I use that creek area 
as my access. So I actually walk the main trail and it comes right up to the edge of that creek. I can actually walk down the hill, back up the hill, and right into my tree stand. So I don't actually set foot into that clear cut area or where those saplings are to where those deer can actually be in that area. I can walk right into my, and be in my tree stand without actually you know setting foot onto that flat area where that clear cut is. And by having those terrain features there, I'm utilizing uh, quite a bit to be able to work in my vantage to contain you know, my downwind scent. So I typically will hunt there in the morning or even I can hunt that in the evening as well. By having that creek there, you know, in the morning when those morning thermals rise up, those the air from the lowland area will, ro will warm, pull my scent directly up and I won't actually blow out into that flat. And then vice versa, in the evening, because of that low-lining area, as, this, as the air cools, my thermals start to drop, my scent will get pulled down into that low-lying area and can actually get pulled by that creek as it flows down towards the main river, sucking a lot of that air away from that flat area and down the hill and out away from where I'm hunting. And then the other spot in that oak flat area, you know, that area is going to be primarily a, a morning stand. So two main reasons for that. One, because it's back into the cover, you actually swamp have to actually cross through quite a bit of that cedar swamp to get to this flat area. So it's not something that you want to do in the middle of the day when those, a lot of those deer could be bedded you know, in that area or near that or around that cedar swamp to where you can bump them out as you go in. So the primary thing that I'm going for is that they're still either out on those egg fields or they're starting to make their way back as I make it into that oak flat. So I'm basically trying to beat the deer to that spot. And because it's up on the hill, I want those thermals in the morning to pull my scent upwards and not let it drift down into that cedar swamp area where it can just kind of lay there and be stagnant in that area. So that's another reason why I really focus on those terrain features because I want to be able to use those terrain features uh, to manipulate you know, my scent profile and help me you know, not get winded as much so and those are some of the areas that I you know, put my focus on and what my thought process is as I go through looking at an area that I want to hunt. And then, um, so that's again, mostly that is done on the public land side, but you can use this, you know, some of these steps when looking at a private property or if you're on private hunting grounds. You know, you can do the same thing, especially if, you know, you've, you know, haven't hunted that property for significant years or if you are just trying to figure out something a little bit different about that property, you can actually pull that property up and go through that same step where, whereas if you pull that up, you can look at, you know, any type of elevation changes of your property or look at, you know, again, it's going to be a lot easier because you probably have set foot on your property quite a bit. So you kind of know what the, know what the cover looks like. But then the next step is really too, because again, in most, most of the parcels in Michigan aren't that big. Um, to where you know a lot of the deer are coming in and out of that property and not staying on that property, you know, all day long or even all year or all year long as well. So you just actually zoom back out and look at those surrounding areas that are around your area or around your hunting property, and you can start looking to see. Um, a lot of times you'll actually be able to pick up are there egg fields in the area? 
Are there other people that are planning like food sources or you're doing food plots or anything like that? You can find anywhere where there's you know, clear cuttings done and you can kind of get an idea of, okay, where are the deer probably going to be? Where are they going to go to feed? And then you can actually take a look at that and actually help develop your hunt property that can maybe stand out in that area. So, so if you have a lot of egg land or a lot of field hunt, or you know, a lot of egg fields or farm fields around you, then you may want to even focus on, okay, I need to start building up cover because I'm not going to be able to compete with those larger food sources. And you can actually use those, those larger map views and see, see some of those features and what you really want to do basically have your property stand out one way or the other. So if you have a lot of cover around your area, not a lot of food sources, that's a good indication that you want to plant some food sources or, you know, make sure that you're, you know, kind of become the destination spot when it comes to food or water. You can, you know, look at those mapping areas to help you kind of, you know, build a game plan for that, you know, private land. You know, quite similar to what I do on mine, you know, I've got, you know, not very much cover, so I actually have to build in cover where I can. And then there's not very many people that do a lot of, you know, fall food plots. So I focus on those fall food plots, trying to have the best food source in the area, knowing that a lot of those egg fields are going to be harvested. And then that will draw, you know, more deer to my property. Another property I have, there's been significant cover. So I actually opened that up a little bit to allow in some new, new growth new forages and whatnot and then also it's a very dry area where i'm gonna look at actually putting in a water source as well and then i know that too by because i pull up that mapping area look at the surrounding area are there any creeks any ponds you know any sources or any good sources of water nearby and if there's not okay maybe if i put a water source in here on this property then that can be a good you know draw to the area maybe draw more deer in my area and be something that I can hunt off of as well. So that e-scouting and whatnot is not just for, you know, going on public land or going out west or something like that. You know, you can use that on even your private land, you know, hunting spots to help with, you know, create a new game plan or whatnot. So hopefully just going through kind of what my process is, picked up on a couple of things that you can actually focus on as well. Uh, and, you know, be able to utilize going forward here so get this stuff done now. Start thinking about what your plan going forward for this year is and start laying out a timeline of when you need to get certain tasks done. That way, when it comes to the hunt season, you're ready to go, you've got everything planned out, and you've got your game plan you know, locked in on what, what your strategy going forward will be. So and then as always, if you have any questions or comments for me or anything that I've covered or that you may think I may be wrong on or want some additional information on, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. Again, the best uh, way to reach out is through the Instagram and the Am I Hunting podcast. So in the next week, I want to go in a little bit more in depth on, you know, once you've kind of found the area that you want to hunt um, from your scouting or, you know, from that, you know, any prep work or whatnot that you've done on, on your hunt parcels, uh, being able to help uh, work on, you know, getting it to where, you have good access in and out of your property. Yeah, so work on that scouting. Find new areas to hunt. And next and next week, we'll start talking about how to um, you know, get your setups in those areas to where you can hunt the most efficiently and not you know, overhunt those areas and get the most out of those spots. And then after that, we will be looking at, you know, it'll be full-on summertime. 
So it's time to get out there, enjoy those summer, you know, summer weeks and whatnot. Again, because before you know it, it'll be switching over uh, to getting stuff, you know, finalized for that hunt season. It'll be it'll be here before we know it.